Hello, this is R.J. Deacon, reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Southwest Airlines v. Saxon, certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit, argued March 28, 2022, and decided June 6, 2022. If you'd like to support the podcast, find the PayPal link in the show notes. Respondent Latrice Saxon, a ramp supervisor for Southwest Airlines, trains and supervises teams of ramp agents who physically load and unload cargo on and off airplanes that travel across the country. Like many ramp supervisors, Saxon also frequently loads and unloads cargo alongside the ramp agents. Saxon came to believe that Southwest was failing to pay proper overtime wages to ramp supervisors, and she brought a putative class action against Southwest under the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938. Because Saxon's employment contract required her to arbitrate wage disputes individually, Southwest sought to enforce its arbitration agreement and moved to dismiss in, res- uh, dismiss. in response, Saxon claimed that ramp supervisors were a class of workers engaged in foreign or interstate commerce and therefore exempt from the Federal Arbitration Act's coverage. That's a 9 U.S.C. Section 1. The district court disagreed, holding that only those involved in actual transportation, not those who merely handle goods, fell within Section 1's exemption. The Court of Appeals reversed. It held that the act of loading cargo onto a vehicle to be transported interstate is itself commerce, as that term was understood at the time of the FAA's enactment in 1925. The uh, Supreme Court held... A decision below is affirmed. Justice Thomas delivered the opinion. Saxon belongs to a class of workers engaged in foreign or interstate commerce, to which Section 1's exemption applies. This court interprets Section 1's language according to its ordinary, contemporary, common meaning. Sandifer versus United States Steel. To discern that ordinary meaning, those words must be read and interpreted in their context. Um, See Parker Drilling Management versus Newton. The parties dispute how to define the relevant class of workers. Saxon argues that because the air transportation industry engages in interstate commerce, airline employees as a whole constitute a class of workers covered by Section 1. By contrast, Southwest maintains that the relevant class includes only those airline employees actually engaged day-to-day in interstate commerce. This court rejects Saxon's industry-wide approach. By referring to workers rather than employees, the FAA directs attention to the performance of work. See uh, New Prime versus Oliveira. And the word engaged similarly emphasizes the actual work that class members typically carry out. Saxon is therefore a member of a class of workers based on what she frequently does at Southwest, that is, physically loading and unloading cargo on and off airplanes, and not on what Southwest does generally. The parties also dispute whether the class of airplane cargo loaders is engaged in foreign or interstate commerce. It is. To be engaged in commerce means to be directly involved in transporting goods across state or international borders. Thus, any class of workers so engaged falls within Section 1's exemption. Airplane cargo loaders are such a class. Context confirms this reading. In Circuit City Stores uh, versus Adams, 
the court applied two well-settled canons of statutory interpretation to hold that Section 1 exempted only transportation workers rather than all employees. The court indicated that any such exempted worker must at least play a direct and necessary role in the free flow of goods across borders. Cargo loaders exhibit this central feature of a transportation worker. A final piece of statutory context further confirms that cargo loading is part of cross-border commerce. Section 1 of the FAA defines exempted maritime transactions to include agreements relating to wharfage or any other matters in foreign commerce. Thus, if an agreement relating to wharfage, i.e. money paid to access cargo loading facility, is a matter in foreign commerce, it stands to reason that an individual who actually loads cargo on vehicles traveling across borders is himself engaged in such commerce. Both parties proffer arguments disagreeing with this analysis, but none is convincing. Saxon thinks the relevant class of workers should include all airline employees, not just cargo loaders. For support, she argues that railroad employees and seamen, two classes of workers listed immediately before Section 1's catch-all provision, refer generally to employees in those industries. Saxon's premise is flawed. Seamen is not an industry-wide category, but instead a subset of workers engaged in the maritime shipping industry. For example, seamen did not include all those employed by companies engaged in maritime shipping when the FAA was enacted. Southwest's three counterarguments all fail. First, Southwest narrowly construes Section 1's catch-all category, any other class of workers engaged in foreign or interstate commerce, to include, include only workers who physically transport goods or people across foreign or international boundaries. Southwest relies on the definition of seamen as only those employed on board a vessel. It's um, citing McDermott International versus Willinder and argues that the catch-all category should be read along the same lines to exclude airline workers. Like Saxon, who did not ride aboard an airplane in interstate or foreign transit, but Southwest's acknowledgement that the statute's reference to railroad employees is somewhat ambiguous in effect concedes that the three statutory categories in Section 1, seamen, railroad employees, or any other class of workers engaged in foreign or interstate commerce, do not share the attribute that Southwest would like to read into the catch-all provision. Well-settled canons of statutory interpretation neither demand nor permit limiting a broadly worded catch-all phrase based on an attribute that inheres in only one of the lists preceding specific terms. Second, Southwest argues that cargo loading is similar to other activities, that this court has found to lack a necessary nexus to interstate commerce in other contexts. But the cases Southwest invokes all addressed activities far more removed from interstate commerce than physically loading cargo directly on and off an airplane headed out of state. See, for example, Gulf Oil um, versus Cop Paving. Finally, Southwest argues that the FAA's pro-arbitration purposes counsel in favor of an interpretation that errs on the side of fewer Section 1 exemptions. Here, however, Plain text suffices to show that airplane cargo loaders, and thus ramp supervisors who frequently load and unload cargo, are exempt from the FAA's scope under Section 1. The decision below is affirmed, and Justice Thomas delivered the opinion of the court, 
in which all other members joined except Justice Barrett, who took no part in the consideration or decision of this case. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support me, find the PayPal link in the show notes, or you can get a hold of me at roadsscholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S, like the truck driving roads, and the number 80, like my birth year.